All right, welcome back to part two of our full roster breakdown over on the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo, and in this episode, I am joined by Kyle Maggio, Bailey Carlin, and Matt Spendley to go through the entire roster one by one uh, and evaluate where we see them in the future and how they're looking in the present. So far in the last episode, we've taken you through all the way from Troy Williams at number zero through number six, Kristaps Porzingis. And we're about ready to pick back up at number eight with Michael Beasley. So thanks for tuning in and let's go. We got to move on to Michael Beasley. Okay. Um, no. Yeah, I know. But Michael Beasley <laughs> is here. While Porzingis is out, Michael Beasley is, is his replacement for us. For um, this season, yes. At least till the end of the season, yes. He's played 55 games. He started 14 of those. He has averaged over 20 minutes a game. This is shocking to me. His stats are really good. He's shooting 49.5% from the field. He's shooting 40% from three. He is a nearly 80% uh, free throw shooter. He's got about f- a little over five rebounds a game, uh, almost an assist and a half a game. He's averaging 12.6 points. 40, almost 50% from the field and 40% from three is shocking from Michael Beasley to me. Why doesn't that translate on the eye test? Because he doesn't. A lot of the, a lot of the times that he was in, it's been like empty. Like he had a couple of big moments, but largely what he's done has been sort of empty, either bench minutes or garbage time minutes outside of a couple of, you know, helpful spurts. I know like against the Celtics, he crushed them against the thunder. He was huge. He's had other big stretches or moments, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't really do anything besides, shoot and usually he does that in losses or i don't know he doesn't really pass well i I think matt said it on the last podcast he hasn't like once in a while he'll show these like flashes where he makes like a a great read or a great pass it's timely it's perfect but i mean he doesn't even try to play defense he doesn't really rebound particularly well either so it's like you, you have a guy who's eaten up a chunk of minutes at the four who only does one thing and that's score and I don't know. It, he's it, not it, stretching it, the floor either. Like we got to no. keep that in mind. He's not shooting threes. So that changes a lot of the offense. If he's your four, I do think he's a pretty good rebounder for his position. I will disagree with you a bit there, but to your point about the passing, I think he has that gene in his basketball, like, you know, in his makeup, he can make good passes. Like he drives to the rim and he knows where shooters are. He does a really good job of passing to the corners, but he almost never does it? He reminds me of Melo in that way, Matt. Like Melo yeah, would like, make these we amazing always, passes all the time. He'd be like, "Why the hell aren't you doing that more?" Because he doesn't want yeah, to. Yeah, it's just it's not how their brain is telling them to go. You know, they've played basketball their whole lives, and all they think about is scoring. The funniest thing with Beasley to me is he is an incredible scorer. I don't think we can like undersell that at all. He scores in a variety of ways. He every game you're looking out there and you're like, "That was a pretty impressive bucket." It's just. 
what are you doing if you're a team and you're playing this guy 25 minutes? You're you're not going to be good. It's like with Cantor. You know, like you, you can only achieve a certain level of success if this is one of the guys you're trotting out there for a huge chunk of minutes. It's just the way it is. It's the way the NBA is. Yeah, I mean, he's not trucking the floor. He's not defending. He's not helping you win in any palpable way besides putting the ball in the basket, which we realize now the more statistics we have, we realize the less impact that that really has on the game. It's still useful, but it is not the end all be all with these players. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a well, I'll say well, well above average offensive player in the NBA isolation individual. I mean, he averaged, he had a year in Minnesota early in his career where he averaged like 20 points per game, almost like he's, he can score. He's at his career average in points, which literally he's at 12.6 points per game, which is career average. He's a little above his career, well above his career average in three point percentage and field goal percentage. But he's he's a really good offensive player. So I'm not surprised that if you throw him in there and give him garbage minutes, which has been every minute of the next season um, since Porzingis went down, mm-hmm. the way he's he's going to perform, he's going to do well. He's going to be fun. He's funny. Um, I think if his career had gone a different way and his personal life had gone a different way and he had been, I mean, he got suckered into playing in Minnesota and I'm pretty sure like Minnesota's where people go and their careers die, especially in like the 2010. Yeah, I was going to say, they were everyone, every injury, every player, every pick, they mismanaged everything for so long that they probably, I mean, he averaged 14 points per game as a rookie. Then he went up to 15. Then he went up to 19. Like that's a solid career arc. Um, and then he just got kind of ruined and everything fell off for him. But I'm, I'm glad the Knicks signed him. He's provided some comic relief this year. He's had some really fun games and some really fun Twitter moments and quotes and photographs and stuff. But if he's never plays for the Knicks again after this year, I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah, I think he's done exactly what we wanted him to do, which was just score when he can and then just provide us with that comic relief. I think like yeah, the first distraction ten, from the, the first 10 games, I was really just yeah, I mean, the first 10 games, I was disappointed with the lack of comic relief or anything Beasley related. But then, you know, because the Knicks were actually playing well to that point. But then after that, it picked up dramatically. So, so for the Michael Beasley New York shirt. Yes. For Beasley, I can remember I was tweeting from the Knicks wall one night and it was the beginning of the season. He hadn't done anything. And I think it was like the 10th game and he just hadn't done much. And I was about to tweet the Michael Beasley experiment is about over. And then he went off and scored 14 points. And then since then, he had a bunch of really funny moments. So I'm really glad I didn't actually tweet that out because I didn't want that to be on the record after he had all those crazy games and like against Houston and Boston, which was a great game. And, you know, the Thunder where he had some funny moments. Um, it's been worth it for the funny, the, the whole interview, the the wearing watches, the weird moments he has on the MSG commercial breaks. Like it's been worth it for that alone, I think. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. He's been a fun watch. He has been a you know he's been here. Um, it's about all I care uh, to say about him. I am I like Bailey said. If he hasn't played another game for New York, I'm fine. Like it's been exciting to watch him do like go off and do things, but it's just it's just so appalling. Like how he reacts to his teammates on the court and just like how he can be so inconsistent and so in one minute look like he can be really good. And he's, you know, passing, he's right where he needs to be for catch passes. He's, you know, can do a million things around the basket. He can shoot, he can shoot a little. It's just like, fuck man, why can't you just do this all the time? Yeah. He is what he is. I know. And then, yeah. And at this Quite point, like, I don't, I don't want him to come yes. back, but if he does come back, like I'm not even that mad because he might help us get a better player in the long run. 
No, I, I'm all set here. <laughs> all right, let's I'm, move I'm, on. I, 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 let's, yeah. All right, number nine, Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, 60 games, four starts, 16.9 minutes per game. Uh, goddamn close to 60% from the field. Uh, and then shooting 11% from three. Um, 75% from the line, 5.7 rebounds per game, 1.5 offensive rebounds, and uh, over a block a game, too. Uh, 6.8 points per game that comes out to... Uh, which is pretty much the same stats he's had for the last couple of years and uh, over the course of his career even. But something about his game, something about him on the court, kind of the opposite of Michael Beasley here where he just looks like he has taken a completely different turn on the court and he's become one of the next better players throughout the course of the season. Um, so I guess what it, what is it about this game this year that's just looking different? I think he's just a good basketball player. Like... And the Knicks haven't had many of those. And he's, I mean, the difference between this year and last year, because I mean, last year we were so low on him to start the year. It was like funny, you know, it was hysterical. Like we hate, we like Jared jacked him last year. Like we hated him. At least Kyle did. Um, but <laughs> absolutely did. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this, he's just been like, I think he's been kind of like a relief from, from the nonsense. Like he's been consistent when he's out there. He makes his mistakes and stuff, but he gets good offensive rebounds. He makes fun passes sometimes. Um, he just kind of goes out there and does what he's supposed to do. Um, I think he's another guy similar to like when we talked about Courtney Lee. I almost feel bad that he's on the Knicks because I think like if you put on, him on a team like the Warriors on a, or on a really good team, he could really help in like 12 minutes per game. He could come in and be like an impact player. Um, that's exactly what he does for the Knicks. But it's like he comes in, he, he makes an impact, but it's not clear because no one else is really helping him out around him. He's not the type of guy that really like plays really well with another person. I don't feel like, um, although he, him and uh, Matt will probably be able to back up what I'm trying to talk about here. But I, I think he's had really good moments with some one person specifically at times. Um, but he's, he's been good at times. I mean, he's just like, I, I've enjoyed his tenure on the next. Like, I just, he's been good for them. I think when Anthony asked basically why has he sort of taken a leap or why does he suddenly look like such a good basketball player? I think a lot of it is because of just the roster makeup. A lot of what he tried to do, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you know, the same things he's been successful at this year. He tried to do the last couple of years. It just didn't work because of there was congestion. I mean, the offense didn't really flow. And I, I wouldn't say this offense is humming in by any stretch of the word, but they've been better. I, I think we can all agree to that. I mean, at least up until KP went out. You know, his dynamic with McDermott, just having someone who's willing and, you know, wants to cut off ball, you know, wants to sort of create some sort of movement in the offense. I think that helped him a lot. So just having guys that were able to actually move and flow, that kind of played to his strengths. And we didn't view those as strengths before because guys weren't mm -hmm. doing that. And he was trying to, like, peg them with these passes that they weren't looking for, that they didn't want. You know, it was I think that's where a lot of the misconception came from. And then all of a sudden his you know, advanced stats, all his numbers are bad because it's riddled with turnovers or, you know, he sometimes was looking for cuts that never appeared. And then he forces up these weird jump shots this year. It looked like he's either like, okay, I know my, you know, the guys that are on this team are going to cut. If they're not cutting, I'm just going to shoot this jump shot. I'm just going to, you know, kick the ball out here where it's supposed to go. It seemed like whatever they were trying to do within the offense, it fit him really well this year and really played to his strengths. So I think, that was the biggest change that I saw because I, I feel like I saw him do the exact same thing last year and the year before. It just didn't work based off of who was on the team. And this year 
was kind of the opposite of that. I think yeah, he's been running love- well with Frank too. That's that's what I've been calling yeah. from from the he's beginning a, of the year. A funny connection with Moutier too, because when they lost McDermott, because McDermott was his backup partner, like the Knicks would run a set where they would specifically target a McDermott backup to the hoop. And, you know, we made a whole joke about it because a bunch of assists came from O'Quinn and McDermott. And O'Quinn tweeted at McDermott when he got traded and said, you know, we can't run this set anymore. Um, I love O'Quinn. I've loved him since they beat Missouri in the tournament, Norfolk State, in 2012. Like, it was a great moment. So, and I can specifically remember an article that was written on Grantland in 2014, I guess, right before the Knicks signed him, that he was a guy that people thought was going to get potentially over. Um, people were going to spend too much on him. He was going to get overpaid. And when the Knicks signed him for that four year, 16 mil, I was ecstatic. I said, this is great. You know, he's a good passer. He can do a lot of things. I'm really glad he stopped shooting threes because my eyes burned when he attempted a three pointer. Cause he had one year on the magic where he decided that he wanted to see if he was a three point shooter. Spoiler. He was not, not a three point shooter <laughs> can confirm. Uh, I think him and Courtney Lee, I think of in the same vein. I think if these guys were on a really good team, I could see them playing important roles, being guys that we love. I think I mentioned it around the trade deadline, maybe on this program, if not on another one, that if you put Kyle O'Quinn in David West's role for the Warriors, I mean, like that's a role that would suit him really well. You put him on a guy, you know, on, on the Spurs, on the Thunder, on these teams that need someone off the bench that can pass as a big man. He can post up if he has to. He's not a great rim protector, and he's not a great defender, but he's still blocking over a shot a game. We see he has the instincts to be able to defend, guard some you know smaller guys on the perimeter if he has to. He's a guy that we're going to miss when he's gone. We're going to miss that stability. And moving forward, he's a guy that the Knicks might look to move. He's making basically no well, money. Let's let's talk about that really quick because sure. before we move on to Frank, he has a player option at the end of this year. Is that correct? So, uh, let me look it up. Okay. I believe he does. And that kind of leads me to the question that if he decides to opt out of that, what, what, what do you think his value is? And is he worth keeping around for a couple more years on this team? He does have a player option. I wonder if he'll opt in. I mean, he's making 4 million. I don't know if he's going to make much more than that. Like I couldn't see a team. Maybe they give him like one year, five mil. Like it's it's going to be well, a let, very let's, let's say that he does opt market. out. I, I'm I'm interested in how you think of him as like a longer term fit in New York. Like he's obviously from Queens. You know he has a connection there. He's played for the team for a couple of years now. If he does opt out of that, are how for or opposed are you guys to keeping him around for another say, or giving him at least another four year contract similar to his last one? The Knicks aren't in a position to give guys like him long-term contracts. It just doesn't make any sense. And I love Kyle O'Quinn. I think he's a nice guy to keep around. But I also think, what are you doing, you know, if you're signing him to three-year, you know, basically, let's say they sign him to the same contract. I think it's fine. But, like, what, what what's the what's the end goal there when you're doing that as the Knicks? I, I don't know. Well, I think, when was the last time we had JB on the podcast? Um, whenever that was, he brought up the point of, well, Maybe they're not looking to move him or maybe they don't necessarily want to move him. They want to keep him around going forward just from a consistency standpoint. You know, this is the team that has the highest turnover in the entire league. So at some point, do you just keep a guy who's going to be relatively cheap to keep around? You know, I think he's going to be no matter where he goes, a sort of a career bench guy, you know, a a sixth or seventh man. Sometimes he's going to spot start. I think he can do that for almost any team. 
So there is value in that. It depends on how much they're looking to pay him. You know, maybe he takes a hometown discount. I don't think those really exist anymore, but it felt like it was right to say. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one thing that maybe they value now. Maybe that's a new thing with Perry and company up there in the front office. Maybe they're trying to actually set some sort of yep. stability. Maybe that's a reason they didn't trade O'Quinn. You know, he's a good locker yeah. room guy. It's yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's a noted guy that everyone in the locker room thinks is very funny, and they enjoy his presence having him around. So you know, that, yeah, that's been well established. I, I mean, between that and then what we've seen to do on the court this year, when you have, you know, uh, capable guys committed to running some kind of a, a scheme, some kind of team ball. I, I just feel like, why wouldn't you keep him around? I'll, I mean, if it's an unreasonable deal that he's asking for, of course, it's a business decision. You got to go your separate ways, but everything that we've seen from him so far, he seems like a reasonable guy. I guess we'll find out, but it seems like he's a reasonable guy. Um, I don't know. I, I would like to see him around. I, I don't know what kind of contract we're looking at, but I'd like to keep him around, even if it's like just an extra two-year deal, something yeah. like that. Maybe it would, with an it would be very but, reasonable if they were going to bring him back. He's not getting a lot of money anywhere, you know. Yeah, my yeah, friend. I, my, I just don't. I don't see him like stopping anything else for us. I don't think. Of, I don't see him, uh, keeping him stopping us from getting a right. uh, potential free agent somewhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kid right. I went to high school with also just sold him a house in Westchester, so he's probably picking up that player option. Okay, yeah. good to know. Inside info. Yeah. Keep moving along here. Uh, Frank Nielakina is up next. The uh, youngest Nick, one of the youngest guys in the league. He's played 59 games. He has not started one of them yet. So anyone who thought he was going to start by Thanksgiving, you're uh, wrong. Just to put it lightly. He's played 20 minutes a game. He is shooting 36% from the field uh, and 32% from three. He is shooting almost 70% from the line. He's got two rebounds a game. He's got three assists a game. Um, he turns the ball over almost two times a game. And he's got about five and a half points per game. Um, so those are not good numbers by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but that's obviously not what we're looking for this season. He's been really inconsistent. And really, it looks like his only shot so far is like a wide open three. He can get to the rim. He's starting to show that a little bit more. Um, but he seems to be, you know, he seems like he's noticed his lanes. He looks good as like the pick and roll initiator. Um, yeah, I, I I wonder what you guys are thinking now. I know that we have some differing opinions here. I know that we have some opinions that have changed too, especially you, Bailey. I remember you being very out on Frank, and now I think you're very much oh, yeah. on Frank. Yeah. So what's, um, what spurred that transformation on? Well, I just, first of all, like, it's it's stupid, like, as, like, a analyst of sports, but, like, I just love him. Like, I just think he's such a, like, I fell in love with Giannis, like, when he first came into the NBA, because I heard this story about him, like, he wired all his money back to Greece, and he didn't have any money to take a cab, so, like, an old couple saw him, saw Giannis, like, running down the street toward, like, the, whatever stadium they play in, in his clothes, and, like, picked him up off the side of the road, and we're like, Where, are you Giannis Antetokounmpo? And he's like, yeah. And they brought him to the stadium. And like, after reading that story, like I just loved him. Like any, you know what I mean? 
And Frank's just like had that effect on me. Like I just, I think he's a nice dude. I like him in his interviews. His re his reaction faces are so funny. And he's just shown that he's kind of like a baller at times. And like all, all you need to do for me at 19 years old, like he definitely could have like cooked in Europe for a couple more years. Um, but he didn't, he decided to come here and I think that'll pay such like pay off. So, so well for him. Um, he's just shown a little bit of confidence lately, which I really like, that's all I cared is I wanted him to show some confidence. I like, we, I think we all remember their first game and how scared he looked and lost and legitimately like frightened out there. And I was like, man, I really hope this isn't how this whole season goes. And yeah, he misses a lot of shots, but like he's taking pull up three sometimes with confidence and he's going and he's putting his head down and going to the basket or he's pulling up like kind of like hitting someone with a hezzy move and then pulling up on a jumper. Like that's all I really wanted to see from him. Um, but on top of that, I just think like he just like makes me smile when I look at him. I just think he's the, the nicest boy. So I that's love that exactly too. how I feel. I no matter what he does on the court, whenever he does anything, I'm just overcome with joy. I adore him. It doesn't make yes. sense to me. I, like, I, don't, I don't know what it is. He just makes me smile. Like I'm smiling. He makes a right shot now. and that, you know, his face front and back. And I'm just, I just, I just got a smile on my face. You it's know? hope, man. That he, this kid is the next great hope. Like he is, he, any next draft pick is obviously going to be looked upon like, you know, the next coming of Christ. And if not Christ and the disciple, but, yeah. uh, but as far as his on the court production has gone this year, He's done some things better than I thought he would. For example, his passing is better than yep, I thought. Absolutely. I when I when I watched him, yep. When I watched him overseas, it's not something I thought was a big strength of his. Like we had talked about him being the next Knicks point guard, but I was like, guys, I don't really know if that's what we should expect from him. But he's shown a good ability to throw some pocket passes to guys off the pick and roll. Not he's struggled with that recently, but again, you know, nineteen seasons getting old here. He's played a lot of games. You're without your best player. Um, his shooting, the numbers aren't great, but he looks confident in his stroke. Bailey had mentioned it. He's not afraid of taking some of those shots that he's going to have to, to be a threat. He's a guy that I don't think he's ever going to be your, you know, even second best player. You know, I, I, I feel good enough. If your starters are Frank Porzingis Hardaway, and then if you can fill that lineup with maybe one guy that you feel pretty good about being like a, to be something like that. That's something we can look forward to in the future because Frank is already establishing a, a floor for himself because he's such a good defender and we can't really, um, we can't sell that short because he's so good defensively and he strikes fear into opposing guards. It's going to be even more when it gets to the, when he gets more experience under his belt. I feel good about him moving forward. It sucks that um, the worst player in the draft got drafted right after him, but you know, the best was three picks after him. So you'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. Sure. Would you rather have Dennis Smith jr? Absolutely not. Yeah. And we Absolutely all know that. that's a fact. That's a fact. That's just the way it is. <laughs> no, but I, and I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I really, I, I was surprised by Frank too, because whenever you get a prospect like that, uh, you know, he's, he was 18 last year playing in France and, you don't even with the tape, you don't really know what you're going to get at this level at that age. So, so I guess the production this season wasn't really there for what, you know, like an actual NBA rookie, what you'd want to see from them. Like, it's not like he's putting up Donovan Mitchell numbers or even, you know, I, Ben Simmons isn't really a comparable guy, but guys that come in and make it an impact right away. We didn't see that. A lot of guys aren't showing that, but it's like, what are we seeing? while he's on the court, that's not necessarily a, a number that you can measure. Like 
you know, Matt references how his shooting form looks. I think that's important. You know, seeing that he can actually make passes somewhat frequently, that's important. He's been, you know, despite some of the overall numbers, we've seen, you know, a ton of instances where he's defended at a high level or defended very well. So I think those are all very important things. I think the only real negatives that we've seen is, A, the ball hasn't gotten in a whole lot. You know, just like many rookies, he's a little bit turnover prone. And lastly, he's got to tighten up his ball handling. I'd almost argue the ball handling is more important than anything else, um, considering how tall he is. That's a lot of space that he's dribbling in. So, um, I think that kind of makes I, him I, a, bit, a bit like a unique player like Porzingis. You know, it's... yeah. It's with these guys, these guys are so different, even from like a lot of what's going on in the NBA, which is being revolutionized all in itself, like every year. Um, but it's we're not, we, I have no idea really what to make of what Frank's ceiling is going to look like. I don't really know. Like, I'm impressed with him so far. I don't know how high he rises on that, but like, even with the size, like, you know, he's he could be like the best defensive guard in the league, you know, in a couple of years. I don't doubt that in any way. Um, He's just so uniquely built that we could be getting a a, a very interesting player out of him. Um, and I guess that's really what this next year is just all about, right? Just seeing how far he is can he not like a top t- is he not like a top fifteen defending guard already? He is definitely in the conversation. I think he's someone that people think of when they think of, you know, who's a good Defender at the point guard position. Here's a question. Do you think he makes an all-defense team in his career? Yeah. I don't know if he'll ever be good enough offensively to be the player. Because guys just don't... Like, the guys who should be making all-defensive teams don't always do, you know? Yeah. Like, it always is really... Generally, either is, like, Tony Allen or, like, someone who is also really good on offense. Exhibit A. Kobe Bryant made over five all-defense teams because he was good on offense and people liked him. You know what I mean? What'd you say? But I think Kobe, because Kobe yeah. made a bunch of all defense teams because he was really good. But was I think by the time that, that, by the time that happens for Frank, it's like, I think we're going to be kind of past that era. Like, I think guys are starting to get the recognition they actually deserve now. Yeah. And by the time look Frank at is ready. Right. By the time that Frank yep. is ready for that kind of recognition, I think it'll be a whole different type of conversation that they have. I think he'll be good enough too, Matt. I think he'll be good enough too. Whether Who knows with the, the next future if he'll ever even be playing enough minutes to be that guy, you know? But like, okay. yeah. or with his offensive capabilities. But I mean, he's he's played as good a defense as I've seen any guard in the NBA play this year. So mm-hmm. outside of maybe like like Roberson, but, but honestly, like he's he changes he changes the other team's offensive set completely when he's out there. Yep. Are we ready to uh, move on? Do it. All right. Yeah. Number thirteen. Do we have to? Honestly, <laughs> no. Oh, no I, this, right. this is a conversation I want to have. Here, I want to have this okay. one. Here is what I wrote uh, next to Joakim Noah: seven games, zero starts, five point seven minutes per game, shooting a surprising fifty percent on the year, and averaging two point zero points per game. Uh, he he is a great passing big man, averaging zero point six assists per game. Oh, baby. Uh, you know, rim protector at 0.3 blocks per game. Um, I'm sorry, that was 2.0 rebounds per game and 1.7 points per game. I'm sorry. The only other thing I have written down to Joakim Noah is a big old FOH. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, the other thing you should have had was either, I, I would have just put nope, and then oh, we no. just skimmed right over the top. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I did write one other thing here. I'm looking at it now. I wrote $17 million a year. Yeah. So... 
Matt, you said you actually wanted to say something about Joakim Noah here. Let's hear it. Yeah, well, I think the conversation is not about him. It's about what to do with him. I just think right. if you're the Knicks, you just ride this contract out until it hits zero, like until the clock hits zero. You put a reminder on your phone. You know, you put a countdown clock. You say Joe Kim Noah's contract expires. You're the Knicks. You're going to be bad. Like Joe Kim Noah's contract is not going to matter until you, he will be an expiring contract, which at that point you can either potentially move him if a team is looking for something like that or you just ride it out. I don't get this whole needing to buy him out thing unless the players union comes to some sort of conclusion that you can't keep paying him if he's not going to play. I it, it makes no sense to me. You ride it out. You're the Knicks. You're bad. Just pay him his money and just get him out of here. Like I, I Don't stretch him. You don't need to have a dead $8 million on your cap for two years after when what are you going to use that money for anyways unless you think you're going to get a good free agent, which they're not unless Porzingis is healthy. Especially KP not even going to be around next year and then exactly. really not being any good next year. Exactly. Especially with that. Just like eat it. You're not going to be any good. Like Sad, my sad thing with Joe Kim Noah is like I loved Joe Kim Noah in in, in Boston um, when he's on the Bulls. Like I thought he was tenacious. I liked I loved that Florida team. I mean, because there was just so many good NBA players. Yep. Like they, and they were so fun Brewer. to watch them dominate college basketball two years in a row. Um, and I like wasn't excited for him to come to New York because I knew he was pretty washed. I don't think anyone knew he was at, at. I wouldn't believe someone if they said they knew that he was as washed as he is. I don't think anyone knew he was going to never really ever have an impact on their team. And I wouldn't have guessed that to be um, fair, to be fair, the running theme on the Twitter machine is LOL Knicks. So yeah. I think, Oh, well, almost, anything they ever do is assuming anyone that anyone that wasn't like a, a Knicks analyst in a sense, like we are, I think everyone just looked at it as like, well, yeah. the Knicks signed him for $72 million. Yeah. Why would they ever send that wash piece of yeah. shit? But I think that's every, I think yeah. that's everything. Like Moutier could have set himself on fire in the like center of Madison Square Garden. And people would be like, oh, I saw this coming because it's the Knicks. Um, but like he, I don't know, like it saddened me. But at this point, he's an annoyance. I don't know. Like, like I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that a, a, the Knicks head coach shoved him. That's yeah, a problem. That, that's interesting. That's a problem. You just like, don't I, don't see care, the... I don't care what, I don't care who you are. Like, you're like Jeff Hornacek is lucky that first of all, Joe Kimno didn't tear his head off his shoulders. And like, so that uh, like, I'm not hundred percent blaming. Joe Kimno. I'm blaming the Knicks for signing him when they shouldn't have and giving him money. They didn't, but I mean, he, he at least tried last year. You know, it's clear that there's that he's not like, if you're getting shoved by your head coach, I think it's pretty clear that you're not welcome there. Why would you want to play for that person? How different would the situation have been if Joe Kim Noah threw a bowl of soup at Jeff Hornacek instead? I wish he did. I would love to watch Joe Kim Noah pummel Jeff Hornacek. I'd like to watch Jeff Hornacek is an extremely punchable face. Every well, time you know, you know why? Like a graphic with his stupid, long smirk face. I want to. That's I why. Punch it myself. Because he's got that politician. Like every time he's on the camera, he's got the the wry smile, like the wax going. grin. Yes, like, but it's like he, he it's, just has a perpetual grin on his face, and you just want to be like, dude, it's it's not that funny. It's not that funny. Just, yeah, just but stop. He also has that melded with like a little bit of like, like Jim Halpert, kind of like carefreeness that like no also no there's nothing Jim there is nothing I've made like every time I get the notification it's Matt and Reed and they're like yeah we got another piece on like something Jeff Hornacek so maybe Jeff. I'm like <laughs> like I'm so sick of googling Jeff Hornacek hitting images settings 
large within the last week and just looking at his stupid face. Oh my God, I hate him. He looks no, like, but hire- here's my comparison. He, he no. looks like, he looks like the hiring manager that fires you after one month. And he looks like the stock option true. on like, if you have to do like a, a walkthrough, like an automated walkthrough, like for your job. And it's like the person on the computer is like, hello there. If oh. you Google Republican, <laughs> he's the first thing that pops up. Oh my have you guys God. seen oh office face? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, the guys that come in and they say, so, so what do you, what do you do here? He's that guy. Like yes. giving you the, the smile, worst. like, hey, listen. So, it, so back to Joe Kim Noah. I'm Team Joe Kim Noah, and Joe Kim Noah versus Jeff Hornacek. I would have loved if that news came out, and it's like when Bobby Portis like buried Meredith. Like, I would have <laughs> loved to hear that. Like, oh well, there was a small dispute, and Joe Kim Noah caved in Jeff Hornacek's face. I would have like, you know what? That's pretty great. I'm fine with that. Uh, a little Spreewell Carlissimo action. Ooh. Yeah, choke him out. Pop his head off. I don't care, man. I hate Hornacek. <laughs> All right. I don't even think he's that bad a coach. I just hate his face. I'm sick of making graphics with his face on it. <laughs> no, I'm way out. I'm way out of Noah. Can we move on from Noah and yeah. Hornacek here? And I did not know you guys had such strong feelings for Jim Halpert, but I will tread lightly from this point forward. Yeah, you don't. He's, mo- he's mostly a saint. He's mostly a saint outside of snaking somebody's fiance away from them. I I have. Cu- I he's actually. Kind of a, he's actually. I know that, he's actually yeah. kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, no, I, as a quick aside, I realized that J- after a couple of rewatches that Jim is actually a piece of shit, but yeah, well, yeah. we'll keep he, it. He Roy's, Roy's the worst. Roy is the worst. Roy deserved but, it. No, but Jim is also a piece of shit for it. Can I also, I also have some takes about um, part of the reason why these guys are not great is I also don't think Pam is very great. Um, Pam sucks. I, I, I used to love Pam, but I realized that Pam is... is Pretty responsible for a lot of just bullshit that goes on with she that. Creates show. a lot of Pam creates a lot of her own issues. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Bailey. All right. Pam reminds me. Pam reminds me of myself a little bit. <laughs> okay, hold on. Last thing on Joe Kim. No, do you guys agree God with me? It. And I think Bailey said it that we should just ride out his contract. Are yeah. we on the same yes. page there? Yes. Okay. I would yeah, unless be. something drastically yeah. changes, like no. you said, where like. It, it becomes like a discrepancy that it's like illegal that they're paying him and he's not. You know what I mean? At that That's point, the only thing I could see happening. They have to eat some you know? money there, sure. Right. If it causes like an issue, but outside of that, I don't care. I just, I think it's funny that like the tension is there, like because it's just we just it's just so Joe Kim Noah. We we as the state of New York tend to do this thing with sports where if a guy if something doesn't go our way in a contract, we're immediately like fire him, cut him, wave him, get him out of here, and we don't care about the repercussions. And that's all you see online, just like well, they got to find a way to buy him out. He's got to agree to a reasonable deal. And I'm like, uh, a reasonable buyer. I'm like, well, guys, he's not going to, nor would you if you signed for $72 million and then somebody wanted you to leave and take less money. So right. I don't know why we we do this thing. And especially just look, look at it logically. Like, you know, Anthony said before, we're going to be bad for sure. This is going to be a top five for sure worst team next year without KP for a full season. For like sure. If they're yeah, already like is pretty goddamn bad, so who knows? But right, right. But I mean, if they're already in like this, the eight nine territory, and that's with about a little bit more than half a season with KP. Without KP, I mean, they've just turned him. So yeah, I mean, I can't imagine this. It just doesn't make sense. Like, why, why force it? You're not going to be good. He's not doing anything to hurt the team. He's away from the team, just quietly counting his seventy two million dollars. No one signing piece. here. No one signing here, especially not until his contract is up, especially until they can see KP's healthy, you know, mostly again, like what in the, the actual best case scenario is he comes back and tries his hardest to play. And we start him for 35 minutes a game because we'd be awful. So I don't understand from a number of different reasons why we do this dumb thing. We're just like, well, he stinks. Get him out of here. It's like, it doesn't work. We, We can't just hit delete on the contract and start fresh. Like just wait it out guys. It's not that serious. Out of sight, out of mind.
out of sight, out of mind, and moving on to Damian Dotson, number 21. We also like, we were talking about this before, that the Knicks roster goes from number zero and double zero straight through six, and then jumps around a little, and then it goes to 13, and then nothing until 21. Um, But Damian Dotson has played in 29 games. He started two of them. He's shooting just over 40% from the field, uh, almost 42, really. Um, like 27% from three. Uh, he's about pretty average from the line, about 70, 78%. Um, yeah, nothing too notable other than that. 2.8 points per game. Uh, Dotson has been with the team all year long. What do we, what do we know about him so far? Do we project that he's going to have any kind of role on the team after the season? I think when they're really bad next year, it would be, will be the time. Like he hasn't really like fallen into like a minutes role this year, but I think as like some of these other guys probably get released or traded or dumped off or whatever. Um, he's a guy that maybe could log some minutes next year. Um, and they can kind of see what, what to make of him. He's old. I mean, he's old. He's going to be like 25. I mean, that's, he's, he's like old enough to be Frank's dad. He's um, actually, wait, he's 24 right now. He's born in 94. I'm 23. He's about to be, he's about to be 24. Yeah. So that's, I, I don't know what age I thought he was, but it wasn't that it's not old. You know, it's crazy for me to call him old, but it, it, it's, it's not, it's not now. old, but it's yeah. a rookie old. Yeah. Yes. He's rookie old. He's not like, he's like all, all their rookies are old. Like Isaiah Hicks is actually old too. Um, but like he, I mean, I think he could lock some minutes next year. I, I don't see them. Like, it's almost like might as well just keep him for some sort of continuity rather than like dumping him off and just getting another random guy. Like I just figure might as well keep him. He's shown the ability to be a pretty good three point shooter in college, especially like yeah. exceptional in college and um, pretty good when he's come in at times. So I, I don't see the reason to get rid of him unnecessarily. Right. And I think that's all he is going to ever be able to do is shoot threes, which is very valuable, especially on the Knicks who don't have many guys like that. It's basically Hardaway. Exactly. And Courtney and, Lee yeah. has never shot enough threes for the efficiency that he's put up. Yeah, like he could be one of those guys who kind of floats around for a little bit. You're like, oh, he kind of hit a couple threes. You never yeah. know. Like the Knicks need some sort of continuity a little right. bit. So like if you can keep a guy rather than just signing someone random might as well, in my opinion. Right. And he's he's a guy like we know his history with domestic abuse. So it's always it becomes a difficult proposition when we're rooting for a guy like that. We dealt with that last year with Derrick Rose. And it's it's like a, it's a real moral question for him. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But we are inadvertently because we're rooting for the Knicks and thus rooting for him. And it's it's something that, you know, it, it's not a enviable, enviable position at all. But on the court, I think it, at his peak, he's just going to be a three-point shooter that can stretch the floor and defend a little bit. I don't foresee him being anything special. But like Bailey mentioned, why not give him shots next year, give him something to do, and then – you know, just see what happens. Because I've been a day one Dotson guy. Like I was always tweeting Damian Dotson hype train from the beginning. Like give this guy plenty of minutes. Let's see what he can do. Um, so you know, I guess we'll see. Give him some minutes this year, next year. He's played more first half minutes probably over the last ten games than he has the whole season combined. So that's good to see. Well, you never know. All right. Anybody else got last thoughts on Dotson? All right. Uh, I just agree. I mean, I'd yeah, like to see that, that's around. that's. About where I am too. I have nothing really big to contribute there. Uh, Trey Burke is a the surprise of the season. We have one of these every year, and Trey Burke has really kind of shown out the last couple of nights. 
Um, he's played in 16 games already, which seems kind of crazy, but uh, shooting 53, yeah, 53% from the field, uh, about 37% from three. Uh, he's got three and a half assists per game. He is putting up 10.4, I think I wrote in my chicken scratch handwriting points per game. Um, he's a legitimate bench threat he's looking like right now, uh, at least while the Knicks need have offensive holes that need to be filled. He's been able to kind of get to the rim. Uh, his shooting has looked pretty good. Uh, he's got a he's got a decent shot on him. He looks like little Allen Iverson out there. Um, I'm very happy with what Trey Burke has brought with him to the uh, New York Knicks, and it seems pretty comparable to what we saw in Westchester. So, um, I'm I'm all good with him for this year. His contract for next year is like pennies. Um, I'm really interested to see where this team goes with Trey Burke from here. Well, so like with- yeah, you're, good. you're good, Matt. You're good. <laughs> all three of you at once just. <laughs> Hopped up. I have no <laughs> idea what I have God. coming my way I'll right now, but people forget. People forget. Like people forget. You know, I'm gonna jump in. Um, people forget. Like Trey Burke was like the only person who competed with Michael Carter Williams for Rookie of the Year that year. Like he's actually had a decent, which is not anything to brag about. Um, but like he's actually had a decent like time in the NBA. Like he, anytime he's been given a chance to play, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. Um, but like. That's why, like, when they made a run at him, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, like, when he was logging 30 minutes per game, he was averaging 13 points per game. Um, he didn't shoot well, but I think the fact that he didn't shoot well and he was still able to average that much is kind of like that shows room for improvement for me, if that makes sense. Um, like, he was still able to put that many points up. Obviously, he was on Utah in 2013. Like, they were trusting him to do that. But, I mean, even in a short time with Washington last year, like, he only played 12 minutes per game, but he, he, he shot 45% from the field and he shot 44% from three. And this year he's pretty much kept that up. He's a little lower on three point percentage, but I mean, he's shooting 54% from the field for the Knicks, like taking eight shots per game. Like that's good. I don't care by any standard garbage time, um, end of the season, like playing with the bench unit, anything like that's, that's good. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think you could ignore that. That's just a good, it's a good stat line. So I, I don't, I don't have an issue with keeping around. Is he their point guard in the Knicks' future? I for sure hope not. But again, why why get rid of him? And I don't think anyone's going to be like knocking on the door to pay him more money or anything. No, I, I agree with what you're saying because a lot of what he did too wasn't really in garbage time. Like, did he come in in garbage time? Absolutely. Like but garbage I, season, sure. But yeah, but but a lot of the minutes that he plays are important minutes as a whole. It's sort of well, before we were talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. It's like games still have to be played. You know, the offense still has to be run through one guy or two guys, and they've been running a lot through him lately, and he's done well. You know, yeah, it's for a bad team. Does it stink? For sure. But, you know, he's proven to be a player, at least so far. Is it sustainable? I hope so. You know, we like rooting for success stories. The G League has been um, very helpful for a number of players these last four or five years, especially, you know, with the NBA using it as a minor league system to really help, you know, guys who want to be, NBA players or want to return to the NBA helps them to hone their skills and prove, uh, you know, we've seen that with Tim Hardaway who went from almost being out of the league because he's only able to shoot threes, not even well to being a very well-rounded player. So I, I just like what he's done as a whole. It seems like he's got a better handle. That's one thing that I noticed. It looks like he's more comfortable running an actual NBA offense, you know, maybe not in a, in the sense of like it, the old school true point guard where he's, actively looking for assists, but 
it looks like he fits in really well with what he knows how to do, which is score. So I like what I've seen. The improved shooting is good. I, again, uh, like Bailey saying, do I want him here as the answer for the point guard position? No, but like, if a guy's playing well like this and it's at a position in need, there's really no reason not to. He's still, I mean, what is he, 25 years old? It's, it's not old. He's not young, but just let him keep playing. I don't, I don't see and the issue. And he's fun. And I think we'll yeah. appreciate that next year. Like he's yeah. fun. He is fun to watch out there. He's a fun player. I agree. Yeah. Branch off what Kyle said about him running an offense. I mentioned this last week when we talked about him. And it was something that um, Nick backed up when he talked to us about Westchester is that he made an effort in Westchester to become a better point guard in the truest sense, because he's always been able to score when he was on that Michigan team with Tim Hardaway and, you know, Stauskas and Karis Lover and all those guys. He was always a good scorer. But when he came to the NBA, he put up some decent assist numbers, but you hadn't seen him like really be the quarterback of an offense. And it's not like he's putting up crazy assist numbers in New York, but I've seen him throw passes that he wasn't previously doing. Like he wasn't able to do some of the things in the past that he's doing now. Like he had a couple really nice looks in the past couple of games where I've just been, you know, my eyes have widened. And I said, wow, I didn't think that's something he was capable of. And he's been incredible from the floor. He is before their last game, I was looking up some numbers on him. He's in the 98th percentile in spot up shooting in catch and shoot situations. And he's the 96th in pick and roll ball handling situations, which small sample size, of course, but he's also played, you know, 15 games as a Nick now. So we've seen enough time where we can know that's something he does well. And it's something that has allowed him to carve out a role. And I'm excited to watch him for the next, you know, 21 games here to see if he can continue to do this. I completely agree with you guys. If he's a guy we're counting on for the future, I am wary of the potential upside for that. But at the same time, you know, like if Trey Burke's your seventh best player and he's a guard off the bench, I don't feel badly about that. And that's what Washington was kind of hoping he was last year for them. He didn't quite meet their standards. But at the same time, you know, if the Knicks are going to keep him around. For nothing, too. Correct. Great point. I was going to bring that up. Less than two million next year. And it's it's a no brainer. He's back next year. He'll be getting minutes. There's so you, no you doubt got, about it. You got him cheap. You have a young developing Frank Nielakino, who is going to be cheap still, too. And who even knows what his next contract could look like after this, too, depending on how long he comes, how far he develops. We might even be able to get him on the cheap. Plus, you got Moutier for, like, nothing. And, you know, what's uh, what's Moutier's contract like? He's next year? And then he... He's on his rookie deal. So, okay, yeah, he's through next year, and then he's a restricted free agent. Right, so you have a chance at, at locking up, like, three point guards... Who you could have, you could have a potential starter and a potential very good like seventh man yep. backup in any one of them. Like yep. that, they're, that they're is gonna, just good team building in my opinion, right there. They're gonna pay these three guys less than ten million dollars next year and throw them out there and see if they can give any sort of insight as to whether or not they are pieces for the future that the Knicks can count yeah, on. They'll pay. And they'll pay. That's Moody a nice thing. Pay, they'll pay Moutier a little over four mil next year and then like five point seven the next year. Which is nothing. Yeah. It's dirt. That's great. It's nothing. Yeah. Okay. Shit, yeah. I mean, it's the position of need for the last, what, 15 years? So, I mean, you yeah. gotta just keep throwing shit at the wall and hope it's When did Clyde leave? Uh, 1980, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, staying with the guard theme here, uh, it's someone who uh, might also compete for some of these minutes here and probably will end up taking a bunch of them, is really? Ron Baker. 
uh, who has played in 29 games this season, started one of them. He is shooting 33.9% for the season, 33.3% from three, uh, 77% from the line. He's got a rebound a game. He's got 1.6 assists a game, uh, 0.9 steals, almost one a game, uh, averaging 2.4 points. He's scrappy. Oh my he, god! I gotta fan myself down after those stats. He's a punching bag. He is taking the end of an Anthony Davis elbow, and he's probably out for the year with the torn up shoulder. And he also has a no trade clause on a uh, four million dollar contract for next year. I'm just picturing like Ron Baker sitting there being like, "Huh," and like making his list of teams that he would allow the Knicks to trade him to next year, <laughs> like Mello. Like I just picture him being like, "No." No one who's not competing for a title. Like <laughs> he really has a no trade clause. It's so not his fault that the Knicks gave him the worst, most preposterous goddamn it's not even contract like ever. A, it's not even a real no trade clause. Like he just has a loophole in this contract. Yeah, it's something based on the contract they gave him. It's not like they went to the table and said, "We are going to give you a no trade clause because we want to keep you around and we think you're really good." It's the type of contract that they sign him to that entails that little piece of information with it. You know. Sidebar: I hope. I wish anyway, not hope. I wish the NBA was constructed that all contracts had a no trade clause. So every trader, every player ever traded had to approve exactly where they were proposed to be sent to. Cause I feel like the chaos that would, you know, ensue from a PR level would be yeah, hysterical. Yeah. And isn't that basically what every employee in real life has, you know, basically. like it, we, yeah. and it's yeah. something that we have conversations about all the time on Twitter and through articles. We Almost always side with owners in these stupid arguments oh about God. players. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of dumb to think about. It's like, backwards logic. I say it all the time, like we're angry that this grown man wants to choose where they live with yeah, their family. It's kind of wild. Like people are like mellow, selfish. I'm like, because he doesn't want to move to Houston with his 12 year old kid. <laughs> like anyone. But like it, it's Katie's still it's a snake insane. though, just so we're clear. Obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still think it's hysterical that Matt, you must be real fun at of... parties, man. <laughs> you know, I'm real fun at parties. You know, I'm a big team guy. I love playing on teams. 450 <laughs> people think so. Oh, I forgot. That just reminded me, Matt, of you saying, um, like, bringing that point up. I for, uh, Just a quick point. I had a dream the other night that the NBA had a fantasy draft. I didn't tell you guys this. And for some reason, I was in task. I was tasked with drafting for the Jazz. It was wow. pretty crazy. It was a wild dream. Who'd you pick? What? I had, like, the 27th pick, and I think I – it was the dream made no sense. I think I picked Elton Brand. Ooh, peak skill native, local hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but sidebar, okay. sorry. Anything else yeah, on Ron Baker? If there was Baker? a fantasy draft, I would not pick Ron Baker. I hope he, <laughs> I, there's no reason for him to play. Ron he Baker stinks. two better point guards. He stinks. It, like, He's how so buried nice, is he? Though. And he wrote be? a children's book, and his face looks like it's made out of clay. And, he has, like, and a strong the pictures jawline. of him in the mask are Horrified. second to none. Stuff of nightmares. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I know. So it's not his fault. He's it's not his fault. He sucks. And the Knicks signed him now. I mean, it's kind of his fault. He sucks. I mean, I mean, it's not my fault. That I no. suck at basketball, but it's his fault that he sucks at basketball. Yeah. He, although That's he did have, don't do not forget. Do not shortchange him. He gave us some fun, some fun moments. He did. Yeah. He some had fun, the face by Anthony some fun Davis. Twitter moments. No, but I mean, last year. Okay, fine. Like, he, had, he had some fun moments where he kind of yeah. went off. Like he was fun for like, like, a good probably 40 minutes. I just total. feel like that all oh, eviscerated sure. when his soul left his body and he came crumbling down to the to they weren't even playing at home to the smoothie center floor. 
I'll never forget that because that was the the fan meetup. That was the meetup. Oh, that's, yeah. how I, that's how I'll never forget. It. it was such a memorable game as a whole, just with you know KP. Just I think KP had a monster dunk in that game that gets lost because Ron Baker got eviscerated. But I think it's like anything else when you're at a party setting or something like that, and you're kind of watching a sporting event, and then you see the replay, and you're kind of tapping your boy like, "Oh my god, did that just happen?" So it kind of went throughout our whole section that we had in the bar. We're all kind of watching the replay by the last time, and you just see Anthony Davis's arm just right into Baker's face. Oh the my shock god! Shockwaves that went through his face and everything. Oh. Let's move on here. Were even better. We only yeah. got we only got two <laughs> players left. We're uh, well above two hours now at this point. Uh, let's knock him out. The longest is is he currently the longest tenured Nick on the team? Excuse me, <laughs> Lance Ta- Lance That's Thomas. Right. Lance Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. He's on them for 2014-15, which yep. I don't think okay. any other player. Was. I thought you were just referring to him as the longest. So I was like, ah, oh, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> uh, TKW no. after dark. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Lance Thomas has played in 59 games this year, and he started 22 of them. He's playing in 18 minutes a game. He's shooting almost 40% from the field, um, like 40% from three. Like a lot of players on this team have just like weirdly only taking three pointers, basically, or missing a lot from two. Um, about 85% from the uh, line. Got two and a half assists a game. I think that's about it on him. Uh, four points per game. I have him down as uh, a professional seat filler on offense and still decent on defense, but a bit of a drop off from last year from what I've noticed. Um, he's obviously got the co-captainship. He's a vet presence out there. And for the first time kind of that he's been around, I'm starting to question how much I really do like his contract. I know it's not that much, but it's almost starting to feel a little bit more than what his value should be. Um, am I just really down on Lance Thomas, or is he having a down year? I think no, it's a pretty bad contract, I think. It's a bad contract, but I don't think it's necessarily because of him. I just think they need to fucking play him. I, I don't understand why they only play him 18 minutes per game. Like, if you're going to pay him, like, they seemed like they put so much faith in him of uh, being this leader, being this player. Like, why not? Like, you stink. Why not just play him? Like, he never gives them bad minutes. I feel like uh, that's how I feel. I, I like him, though. I think he's good. He certainly um, has bad stretches, but I think as a whole, he's more or less pretty consistent with what he brings. Yeah, but like, I, it's like I don't think he's the type of guy that like is gonna. He's not a streaky scorer. He's not gonna go out there like I think he needs to log minutes to show his value almost, if that makes sense. And I don't think they've given him enough time to do so because he's kind of like I don't know. I mean, who has he lost minutes to? Like. I, like, I, I think don't, it's mostly I don't know, Beasley like, is taking up a lot of his Now Beasley's got yeah. KP minutes. Um, I think McDermott yeah, was I mean, taking like, some at a, at a certain point, but yeah. It's, it's and he just, was also starting when Hardaway was out. We got to keep that in mind, yeah, too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, court, it's Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway years. taking so many minutes at the same time, too. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I just I haven't seen anything from him this year. I haven't seen anything on offense like at all. Me neither. I think he'll I, play more minutes next year, though. I think he steps up with more minutes again next year. Okay. Just what are you hoping for with Lance Thomas, though? Because we know that he's a good on-ball defender. He works hard. 
But at the same time, he is one of the worst rebounding forwards in the NBA in terms of rebound percentage. He doesn't pass. He is one of the worst at-the-rim finishers in the NBA. He's, I mean, turned himself into a passable three-point shooter where he can shoot the ball at 40%, but he's also not taking that many threes, which is a huge change because when he first came into the league, he literally did not shoot threes at all. And it's kind of the only thing that he adds to the Knicks right now. I just, I think he's fine. What his contract's non-guaranteed for 1920. And okay. I think it's going to be a no brainer to just cut him and not bring him back at that point. For sure. He's a, he's a fine guy to have around, but like to, to Bailey's point about him playing minutes, I did, we kind of know what he is. He's not the guy that's going to play a bunch of minutes. And then we go, Oh, he can do that. I didn't know that. I think we know exactly what kind of floor and ceiling he has at this point. So Definitely. while I'm fine with him playing minutes because I don't really care because the Knicks are going to be so bad, you know, play anyone. It doesn't matter. I'd rather in a perfect world, I'd rather see him not on the team and them giving minutes to someone like Dotson instead on the wing off the bench. I get try, that. I just figure since anything, they're paying him. I just figure since try they're anything. paying him. Yeah, that's fair. Might as well and, play him because because he doesn't hurt. I don't think he hurts them very much. Right. And his seven point um, five million dollar deal for nineteen twenty, like I just mentioned, they're not going to give him no, that. Like, no he'll be cut. Unless, so something, unless something bizarre happens, there's no correct. Way. So he'll be here for the rest of this year and then next year. You know, I, I think he's another guy that's nice to have around. He's a veteran. The guys like him. You can learn from yeah, him. Someone so. will inevitably get injured or miss time, and he'll be able to. He's a nice guy to have. He's a sea filler. He's a professional sea filler. Yeah. Yeah. And I give him a lot of props because. When he first came in the league, he was incapable of shooting. Oh, and he, he was, had he that. was not a good college player at all. No, I know. He played on he was on the national championship. He was on the national team, championship Duke team, yeah, he, but he, yeah, wasn't he wasn't good. Right. And he turned himself since he got traded to the Knicks. Remember, he was on a ten day contract with the Knicks. Because he yeah, got he was, dealt to them. He, he was barely a good player on the Thunder either. Right. And no, then, he, he did nothing. He to be fair, trouble. he's barely a good player on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's but, but markedly better. But he's oh yeah, no. I mean he's an NBA he's clearly an NBA player now. Right. All right. Just what are you doing if he's on your bench? Like I, it, on, in a, in a perfect world, he's just not playing that many minutes, and you throw him in there. Like we we've noted before about how he does really well when he has to match against someone like Giannis. Like he's done a remarkably good on Giannis in a couple instances because he's yeah. a good on ball defender and he's long. Like he works right. hard. So those are the situations where you know you can deploy him. It's a matter of it. It, it just it doesn't make sense for the Knicks right now as currently constituted to have him. So after next year, he'll do the same things he's done and then he'll go and hopefully find himself as a nice role player. I was going to say he's another guy likely like exactly like O'Quinn, like everyone else on this team who would be (laughs) really good on a role on another team. But the Knicks just need more from everyone right now. And these guys just, it's not fair to ask them to, to be that for them. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. All right. One more guy to get to then. Last, uh, last player of the rundown here. We're in, what is this, two hours and 15 minutes now we've been going for? Um, so Jared Jack has played in 57 games this season. Started 56 of them. Uh, 25.9 minutes per game. 42% from the field. 29% from three, which I thought was a little higher. Yeah. Uh, 83% from the line, three rebounds a game, 5.8 assists per game, which is really good. Uh, let's see, 1.9 turnovers a game, 7.6 points. He had a good season. He led the team to wins. You know, he forced a little bit too much, but I don't think anyone expected him to come back to the NBA after being out for so long and to put up numbers and be able to actually lead a team like this. Um, 
He's obviously yeah, shut he, down since the All Star break, but you know what? Like I'm going to give I him mean, props. He, I'm he, giving him props he, on having he, a good he season. He led the team, but he he led the team until he didn't. He led them to wins until he didn't, and until he didn't happened right before Christmas time, and then it was a woeful right, month and a half after that. We'll talk about that time, but just going to give him his props for the beginning of the season. It was a good run. I, I, I genuinely I did enjoy that. it. Jared Jack, Jared Jack was the guy that all of us almost unanimously decided was going to get cut. And then he started 56 games for them. Like that's, that's, impre- cool. that's impressive. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Like that was cool. I mean, here's the thing he's got. I, I like to hope like that Nick's the reason that Hornacek kept him in there and Nick's management and stuff kept him in there is because he was providing some sort of type of leadership role. I, I assume that is, I mean, he is a vet. He's been in the league since Oh five. Like that's a long ass time. Um, he's been on winning teams, I think maybe not really actually now looking at his career, but, um, like he was able to provide a service for them in a bad down year. And I'm appreciative for, for him for that. I'm glad he was able to make himself some money. It got to the point where we're like, all right, play some goddamn young guys instead, because every, anything he was providing for us, it was gone. The endearingness quality of his, his scrunchy face disappeared and dissipated. And I was just done with him. Um, but I am appreciative for for the slight hope he gave us for a little bit in the beginning of the year. Okay, now let's talk post Christmas. Oh, he, he played well. He played well above his like thirty four year old Jared Jack. About he was a guy that was a non guaranteed contract, and he was he's still. If you look at the stats, he's one of the better pick and roll point guards in the league, just based on points per possession. Yeah, you know, it can't but, be very often a guy who signs a 10 day starts 56 out of 57 games. Right. So they had a non-guaranteed contract and he comes out here and he does some good things, but we all knew his limitations from the get. And it's unfortunate that he ended up having to be the punchline of a lot of jokes and had to receive the ire of a lot of us um, because it's not how it should have gone. But at the same time, you know, he did what we expected him to do and probably exceeded that, but he was never, going to be someone that was a good starting point guard. So they squeezed whatever they could get out of him and made the most of it for the time being. And I'm glad that Hornacek's made the call to, to kind of, you know, move the minutes elsewhere. That's how it should be. Are you guys surprised by that? Are you guys surprised by the fact that they actually executed on that? And now they're going, they're not playing Jared Jack at all. Or did they just, was this a plan that they had or did they just succumb to pressure? I, I almost kind of feel bad for Jared Jack about yeah. it. I know I shouldn't because like he's making money, but it does make me sad because I because I like him. I think he's a yeah. nice and I think he's Why a good leader. Why didn't they just buy him out? Why don't, and he spared us. He spared us having to watch Ramon Sessions play, and that's a very kind thing to do. Ugh. Um, screw anyone who went off on me in our group chat about Ramon Sessions being this vocal leader for this <laughs> team, and he was going <laughs> to be this impactful voice. Bullshit. Who did Whoever that? Said that. I don't know, but me and Ty got yelled at one day, <laughs> and all, that's all I remember at the beginning of the year. Um, I probably said he'd be fine. I, he I spared us. That. He I spared us that. that. I think you're crazy if you say that he gave less than you thought he should. He, the problem was he was almost giving us more than we wanted from him a lot of the time. Got us yeah. believing. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was like as sad as this is to say, he was like one of the better Knicks point guards for like the last handful of years. Like he really Our best was. point guards has been uh, Jared Jack and Raymond Felton. Since like 2010. All right, Raymond yeah, Felton. 2010, Raymond Felton. Raymond, I loved Raymond Felton when he would just miss runners, and Tyson Chandler would put him back as if it was a play. Oh, that was incredible. Uh, yeah. To Ant's point about us being surprised that those minutes are being parlayed, I don't think so because I think when I, I firmly believe that there is an agreement between 
Hornacek and Mills and Perry that says, if you play the young guys, we will give you a serious shot at keeping your job next year. Just do this for us and see what they can do. Because it's obvious that Hornacek liked Jared Jack and wanted him to play, but there's no way that he just made this drastic switch without there being some sort of under-the-table agreement. And I have always felt this about coaches in any sport, and it's something that we talk about in the NBA. There's probably you know four or five, let's just say a handful of coaches that make their teams much better, and I think there's a handful of coaches that make their teams much worse. And I think Hornacek is somewhere in the middle there. Mm-hmm. He's not a that. terrible coach. He's not a good coach. So I think the Knicks and their brass realize that, and I think they're going to reevaluate after this year. I wouldn't be completely annoyed or frustrated if they brought him back next year. I think I might be in the minority there. I just don't know what other options are out there. But to, to tie it back to the guard play, I agree, and, and I'd rather just keep out. him rather than shake, yeah. shake okay, him up again. Wait, just that, keep this him. is, this is fine. Has. This is the the last player in our roster is Jeff Horn. Okay, let's here, do it. So. Sure, yeah, let's, let's do go that. all the way in on him. Yep. Um, I agree. Um, I think it's fine for him to come to stick around for the rest of the year. I think it's fine for him to start the year with us. And I think it's fine if it starts to go well. Um, but I, I do believe that this agreement that Matt's talking about that probably is in place is only, you know, you can start the season with us and we'll evaluate how things go from there. Um, if it's there's just too much tension or guys aren't panning out and there's no changes made, like, I, I hope there is still the thought that he can have the plug pulled on him at some point next season. But I'm willing to, you know, ride it out a little bit and see where it's at. I don't mind being, I like, I'm in no rush to do anything with this team right now at all because I just know how long of a road this is going to be till we reach respectability. Uh-huh. So why mix it up exactly? Like, right. Sometimes consistency is more important than talent, um, especially from a coaching perspective. Like, who fucking cares what they're doing next year? You know, <laughs> um, as long as I mean, as long as there's I mean, I don't even know who I want to be starting next year. I don't know if Frank starts the first game next year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know if I want I don't know if I want that I don't know especially now that I see him much more slated as like an off the ball type guy. Um, but I say keep Jeff Ornisek around. Um, I know that's probably a strange thing for me to say after I just talked about how I wanted to punch his face in. Um, but it's more <laughs> so his face that bothers me than his actual coaching yeah. abilities. No, we got. I think I think we are. I think he's a better coach than we realize. If you start to like watch, if you either there's like two things you can do. If you go and you watch other teams play, and you're wondering. Like, uh, why aren't like you have a guy like Tibbs who's like in a, a supposedly a great coach and he's not letting Carl Anthony Towns shoot like that's got to be so painful. Like we don't have a lot of the problems that a lot of other teams have with their coaches. Um, we don't realize that because we look at Popovich and we look at Brad Stevens and we look at yep. these great coaches. We're like, man, I'd love to have a guy like that. Well, yeah, everyone would. Yep. And so if you can go with some sort of consistency and look like a little bit of a less of a joke of an organization who's just swapping out coach after coach after coach. And provide some sort of consistency. I mean, no one was complaining about Hornacek when they were winning at the beginning of the year, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and of course, that's how they were it probably is, we were but, probably lauding him, you know. Yeah, they, his were. they were. They were pieces. They were like think pieces on it. Jeff Hornacek was back. Like, so like, I don't. I mean, I don't like his face, but I also don't think they're going to be able to sign a better coach. Like, what are that's they going to go thing. just? Are they going to go just sign a he, well, he, guy who was, just retired that they think will be good at coaching again? Right. Like, you know, what I mean, like, just keep the guy. He was perfectly average, though, the, the, up until KP went down. Like, they had, like... Oh, yeah, he was for, totally... For, 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 like, the entire... I mean, it might be... I might be off by a couple of the numbers, but 
the one time we talked about it on the podcast was I think right around like the actual halfway point of the season. And they were like 15th in offense and 16 in defense or vice versa. Yep. And it was like, I think people got frustrated. Not when people knock him for being a bad coach. I don't think it's because he's like an actual bad coach. It's because he's fine, but he's still not maximizing. Like let's say Chris Stapps. So I think that's where a lot of the negative connotations come from. Cause it's like, you, you can clearly be better. You know what things KP is good at. You know how you should maximize them. So that's why I think people are, it's more people are mad at him because they're disappointed as opposed to him actually being bad. I think he's not bad. He's not good. He's just fine. Yeah. Okay. And the question that we have to answer too, and I think this kind of close out our conversation here mm-hmm. is, you know, Bailey had mentioned, if you're going to get someone else, who are you getting? Because Mark Jackson, no no I, I am not a believer there. Uh, people like to bring up Fisdale too. I mean, there's a reason why he was fired from Memphis. I don't. Think I think he's, he's a, a good coach, coach but, but he's, why bring is in he an upgrade? Else? Like, oh, here, learn a whole new well, system. Well, right. why I think bring in someone else if you don't have to? It's crazy. I think Fisdale got fired because of that coach killer down in Memphis, wearing number thirty-three. So. Uh. Marcus all just saying that at first I was joking around when I used to tweet that, but then some of his comments have just been horrible. Yeah. Well, he said like, he doesn't like playing on a team that's rebuilding. He said, people aren't trying, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I so, don't know. I mean, I'd be fine with his deal, but again, I don't know how much of an improvement these guys are going to yeah, be. Ex- I, exactly. To your point, even if it's going to be incremental, it's not worth it because what, what does that get us? You know, you, you're better off just keeping the consistency like we were saying all night. Like, he's not mismanaging situations so terribly like we're sick or he's not, like, abusing. He actually is abusing players. I started to say that, and then I realized he shoved Joe Kamnoa. Maybe they mm-hmm. should at least experiment and look elsewhere. But, like, don't – unless you're going to sign a bona fide good coach your con- right. who has proven that they can step into a crap situation and make a better situation out of it already, why would you do anything different? Right. And I think the biggest double-edged sword for Hornacek in the beginning of the year when they were playing pretty well is I personally enjoyed how he would give the second unit enough leash where if they were playing really well, he would leave them out there and let them, you know, win or lose that game. And sometimes it worked out well and sometimes it didn't. But I think that's the kind of thing that led to you getting good bench performances from guys like McDermott and O'Quinn and Neil Aquina at points. But, you know, there's other times where it came back to bite him where all of a sudden we look up and we were like, why is, you know, like Tim Hardaway not back in this game? Like, why is Lance Thomas still on the floor? In Definitely. You know, and that's something that's something Billy happen. Donovan. That's something Billy Donovan does. With yes. The Thunder. And yes. and people are like, they love it. Jeremy Grant will score like 12 points in a quarter. They're like, oh, I'm so Raymond Felton will be banking in threes, weighing 900 pounds. And people are like, it's amazing that <laughs> he has least. confidence and this trust in them. And then they'll be like, why the hell would you have three all star all NBA players? and not have any on the floor. So like, it, it's going to be a give and take. Like it's, I think he's shown at least adequate coaching ability, which is might as well be a superstar coach at this point in the NBA with how often guys are in and out and proving themselves incapable of leading a team. Yeah. He's Fair in enough. that bunch of mediocre coaches. It's where he is and it's where we should expect him to be. So if there's not a clear, obvious upgrade, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to just fire him for the sake of getting rid of him. All right, I'm cutting off for a sec talk um, because I got to get up. My uh, my legs are hurting. They're falling asleep. My foot's asleep <laughs> right now. I got to walk this off a little bit. I don't think we have anything else to say here. Do we, guys? 
I'm good. I don't want the Knicks to draft good. a point guard. Yeah. I don't know why, but I don't want the Knicks to draft a point guard. Well, let's save that. I don't the, either. Let's save that all for the draft conversation when they gets closer. We're gonna have plenty more of these to come. Okay. Um, yeah, well, you asked. I am. I am ending this. <laughs> at. I have so much more to before, say. No, please stop. I have no, so I am much not, more we're to not say. Going to, we're rolling. not going to two and a half hours. We're not, we're not hitting two time, and a half bro. hours. We've got time to work with you. I oh, that's true. Anthony, it's only 845 for you, yeah. buddy. Yeah, it is. Bastard out here. Wait, I, wait. I, oh, God. It's, it's, it is Friday night. Oh, God. It is Friday night. <laughs> there, there are dogs going. See, like, pay attention to your dogs. They're going nuts over there because you're on here yeah, podcasting yeah, it, 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 for two and a half hours. It serves me right. I try to get sassy, and then they both cut me off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. I appreciate this, guys. I think this is good. I think we got to the bottom of a couple of things. We have a record now. And um, I'm probably going to split this up into two episodes because this will be very, very long. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you uh, to Kyle, to Bailey, and to Matt for being here. And good night, everyone.